1: Welcome back to the Iron Brew podcast, another in conversation episode. Brad Mel, Matt Blanchard for this one. And today we're talking to somebody who was a, quite a key part of uh, Scunthorpe United squad for a number of years. Uh, Michael O'Connor, how are you doing?
2: Um, as good as I can be doing, yeah, these times. Uh, yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. Uh, right, so what we're going to do, we're going we're to go through your career because you were Scunthorpe for. Maybe two or three years. We're gonna, we'll, we'll get to that. But want to have a look at some of your early clubs. Um, and I think we'll let's start right at the beginning. So, can you just maybe talk us through how you joined the youth setup
2: at Crew? Yeah, it was. I think it was a 10, 11 year eleven-year-old um, playing back in Belfast, just local side. Cruise group was over watching me. Um, I think I scored four goals that game, and since then I just I was me. I was I was with Crew since that age. Um, the first two years I was going over every like uh, holiday, Christmas, Easter mid-term, summer times. And then from the age of 13, 14, I was going over every Friday till Sunday to play the games. So yeah, that's how, that's how it took off, really.
3: You were obviously at Crew when they reached the semi-final of the FA Youth Cup um, and then later captain that youth setup up as well. Crew obviously always known for having a good youth setup, up but how big of an achievement was that to reach the FA Youth Cup semi-final?
2: Oh, that was massive. I think that's the best any Crew said we' have ever done. Considering like they've always had a good youth setup. Um, I think I was I was fourteen at the time. I was still at school, so I I played in every round, every game, in that, which was good for me at that age. Um, so it was a good experience for me. It's helped me. And then the next year, I think we knocked out in the third or fourth round, which I captain. And then I sort of broke into the first team after that. In the round of first team, trouble with the squads, been on the bench. Yeah, so that that was that was good for me that year getting to the semi final.
1: Yeah, you mentioned just there that you you know, you broke to the first team a little bit and you made some appearances whilst in the championship uh, and then you had a couple of years in League One. You were loaned out to Lincoln in 2009. So what happened there? Did you feel it was the right time for you to to leave and sort of progress in your career?
2: It was, it was a strange one. Obviously, Dario Grady was there for many years. Um, I came through playing for him. And then Steve Holland took over who's doing well now at the minute at England, system manager. They were two good coaches. Um, they, they were they like the, the, the young lads coming through and playing but then a, a guy called Gujon Thorgin came in um, who was old school Icelandic guy and he didn't really take to me so I had one or two fights, and I went on London Lincoln for two or three months towards the end of the season and then I came back to crew the last two weeks of the kids by myself and then pre-season came I'd done well the first week of pre-season top, running well um, feeling fit and then suddenly he came and he says, listen, I want, I want you to be part of this, this team for next year. And at that stage, my manager made up. I had one year left my contract with Crew, But there was interest from Lincoln, who I spent a bit of time with, one or two other clubs, and then Scunthorpe came in.
3: Yeah, and obviously it was that summer that Crewe eventually accepted an offer, um, yeah. believed to be about £250,000, and he signed a three-year deal with Scumford. Um How did that move come about? How was that first contact made?
2: It was through Grant, Grant McCann. Um, I had a, I played I think four or five times from the the Northern Ireland setup. Um, with Grant, and Grant um Grant was he was he was a big player for Scunthorpe, He spoke to me and said, "Listen, I think Nigel's asked me to speak to you. He's interested." Um, but Nigel was brilliant. Nigel and Crowsin bar were, were brilliant. Spoke to Nigel, and, yeah, essentially. I away. to you spoke to Nigel and Grant?
1: Uh, we're going to talk about some of those players a little bit later on as well. But did you feel in yourself as well that you were ready to make that step back up to the championship?
2: I think, I think it was. You know, I was twenty, twenty-one, maybe twenty-two at the time. I had international experience. You know, trained with top, top players four or five times a year. So at that age, I thought, you know, it's, I need, I need to test myself and you know, championship. It's what other way do you want to test yourself and play in the championship? And uh yeah, I jumped at the chance. You know, the, the money wasn't much different than what I was on the crew which wasn't great money. But I just thought, you know, I need, I need to go and test myself and, and have a go and see how I do.
3: Josh Wright came in as well that summer and there were already quite a lot of midfielders at the club. I suppose mm. McCann was one, Sparrow, Togwell. Um, how was the club kind of sold to you when, with it being a competitive position, were you
2: worried about kind of game time and things like that? Didn't cross my mind, really. You know, I was, a crew was playing centre midfield, but at times I was playing on the right, like tucked in. Like four centre mids um, across the middle. Um, So I just played like sort of tucked inside. Uh, I've done that a few times for crew. So, you know, I wasn't really phased by having five, six midfielders. You know, it was down to me to sort of prove myself. And I believed in myself that if I didn't have a good pre-season, I'd get a chance and then it was down to me to take that chance. You know, I had had a good pre-season to come forward. Trained every day in the pre-season, felt fit. I think the first game I didn't play, but after that I sort of broke into the team.
1: Yeah, and obviously the club had been relegated uh, their their previous attempt uh, of survival. So... From your point of view, what was Nigel Atkins doing, you know, to make it feel different a little bit this time, and to put across the message that we were not just going to be there to make up the numbers in the championship again?
2: It's hard one for me to answer because I wasn't there the, the, mm. the last time they got relegated, but the you know, age was unbelievable. My, my management was the best, one of the best I've had. Um, you know, you lose four 0 on a Saturday, you come in the Monday, and he's putting your arm around you and making training enjoyable on the Monday. You know, to, to get the lads going again for the next game. Um, he was he was he was brilliant and um, you can see why he's gone on and had a good career management and done what he's done um, but the three and the guy there was Kroza who was the the assistant and Ian Barclough who was a coach M three worked well together three, three different characters but they all they were all good at what they've done
3: and you obviously were coming into a side that had just been promoted how quickly did you settle into that group because obviously the, the club tried to keep as many of that group that got promoted mm. together
2: yeah it was tough you know the lads that won promotion you know, they should get the first crack at the championship, you know, starting the games. Which is, I think, I think Nigel did do that in the first game. I spoke to Nigel before, before the, I think was Cardiff who played the first game of the season. And he said, listen, you've done well pre-season. Just, I want to give the lads that have got us here a chance. Um, and that, that was fair enough. I think the first game, I think we lost three or four now. I can't remember. I think, I think it was a tough one away to Cardiff. So after that, he, he gave me his chance. But, you know, the, the, pre, the pre-season was... That was the first pre-season I've done with Major where it wasn't all about running. You know, pre-season back then was just the first two weeks. You, you don't see a football. But, you know, after, after the first day I was there, I think I came a week into pre-season and the balls were out like three days before that. So it was it was a mixture of a bit of running, but more, more football stuff to work towards how we want to play in the season. And that, it helped us going into the season.
1: You mentioned that first game just then. It was Cardiff and the result was uh, it was 4-0. Now, yourself, you were only involved as a sub and obviously you've explained the reasons why, given the promotion team a a chance of doing that. What were your feelings about that result? You know, obviously it's 4-0, Cardiff, big team anyway, but that's a heavy defeat. Were were you a little bit concerned about, uh, I guess, the season, about the squad, how they're going to compete after that game?
2: You You can't really compare after the first game. I think after eight, nine games, you sort of look and think, where you're at or how you've done the first eight games but you know I think Cardiff was one of the favourites to go up that season I think that was a f- I think that was the new stadium was that the new stadium the first game at the new stadium
3: I think so yeah
2: pretty sure it was yeah yeah so they had a sellout crowd you know it's just for me playing in League 1 League 2 and then going being involved away to Cardiff you're thinking I want, I want to be here it's, it's where I want to be at the level but it just showed the class that Cardiff had that year. And I think they might have gone up that year. They were they were good on the day. But we knew it was going to be a tough ask, you know, when the season started. But after the first game, we didn't, didn't, didn't change our mind at all.
3: I think you made your full league debut in the 3-2 home win over Derby. And I think that was one of the key themes of that season, obviously grinding out results at home and then trying our best away from home. Was it kind of... Did we have to accept at times that you know some of these teams with a much higher budget would be too strong for us and, and try and win the home games?
2: Yeah, that was it. We wanted to make Glanford Park a, a fortress. And I think we did that. We didn't lose many games at home. You know, it's small pitch. You get these these big hitters coming on 30, 40 grand a week to Glanford Park on a Tuesday night thinking, I don't want to be here. So, you know, we we put it on teams at home. I think the first, first two or three months, we sort of played like four, seven midfielders. Just try and just try and tighten up midfield and and not let other teams get on the ball midfield and it worked it worked. Nage was good at that. He knew he knew what players to play in what stages of the season. You know, come come to December January the time, the pitches cut up. They started to play 2 night wingers to try and just go more long and it worked. But I think that game against Derby, you know, it's the thought. You know, we we can do this. We will have a chance this year. We're beating teams like Derby at home.
1: I've uh, mentioned uh, the making Glenford Park a fortress at home, but it wasn't just at home. We had some good results away and some actually some big victories. You know, I'm thinking four nil at Palace, it was four one at Derby. Uh, mm-hmm. So obviously these are great results against big clubs. Uh, what are your memories of maybe those games, but also some of the games in general that season?
2: Yeah, I, m- I remember the Crystal Palace one well. I think I think that was four nil that one. Yeah, um, I think I scored that game as well. So they're a big club. Um, they were in the Premier League not long before that. Um, but we just we just did it every game, you know. When we were the underdogs, we knew we had to work harder than other teams. And you know, we did that away from home at times. Um, sometimes away from home, we got a good good spanking. But when we when knew, we, knew we were it's going to be tough every week, home and away. You know, you got teams like it was Norwich, Sheffield United, Leeds, West Brom, Derby, Cardiff. You know, <laughs> these teams and, and we were just going for the United, You know what I mean? So. We, are, we knew it was going to be tough that season, but we picked up some great results.
3: And that season as well, you were also obviously involved in some World Cup qualifiers. Um, yeah. We've spoken to players in the past that kind of feel you've got to be at championship level to be recognised properly as a, as a potential player for uh, international football. Did you think that was the case? And do you think that obviously the move to thought would kind of enhance your international career?
2: Yeah, I, I, I didn't think of that at the time, but looking back, I think it did. You know, you I, th- I, think Nate, I think Nigel Worthington was the manager at the time, but he never he never said to me when it was up. Cree said, you need, to, you need to try and play high. Um I was doing I was doing well at the time when I could pick, um, but I knew that if I went to Scrum Thorpe and played in the Championship week in, week out, I'd have a better chance of getting in the squad and then maybe starting some games and try and, try and keep a place in the Northern Ireland squad, which was tough because I had some top players. Um, but no, I, I didn't really cross my mind, to be honest, um, to play the Championship, to be in the, North, the Ireland squad.
1: Keeping with that Northern Ireland squad, then, um, you've mentioned those teams in the Championship previously, You know the, the size of the clubs, the Palaces, the Derby, you know, um, Cardiff, etc. Obviously, we're Sconthrop United. You know, we are in the Championship, but we're a very small club comparatively. Did that have any impact with the other members of the Northern Ireland squad? What, did we have a sort of reputation amongst that team for you?
2: I think we had three And at the time. There was Paro. Martin Patterson mm-hmm. who played who had a year or two at Scunthorpe, had me and Grant. So, you know, it's not bad having three internationals from Scunthorpe being in the, the same squad, the Northern team. But no, there was nothing really said, you know. No, not really.
3: Let's move back to the the football then and um, Hayes and Hooper, obviously, great partnership. Talk us through that combination that season.
2: I think that's the best partnership I've played with in my career then too. You know, you had you had as a he was like a, a number ten they call it now false number nine who comes comes deep but them two were just on the same wavelength. You know, it's he he's he he's he must have had about 20-30 assists that year and Hoops hoops was the best finisher off Lebeth. You know, we were strong, scored goals and he got his big move to Celtic um at the end of that season, which was deserved and had a good career. But the, them two together were unbelievable.
1: Yeah, and a lot of them go Hayes, Hooper. I think McCann as well. Uh, it, probably inevitable, really, given how well they've done. But do you think as a club we did enough that summer to try and keep the best players?
2: It's hard. It's hard for a club when you've got mostly players out of contract who've had good seasons. You know the money that Scrum Club were offering compared to uh, the Celtics, the Peterboroughs, where Grant went to. You just can't can't compete. Um, you know, football players have a short careers, so. You know, you, you want to be successful, but you also want to make as much money as you can. To, you know, because you're going to finish early, you're going to retire from football early. So the aim is to make as much money as possible. That they, they went down that route where they can make more money, and they were successful in what they done. You know, they went. I think Grant went to Peter Brown got a got a promotion. Hoops once went to Celtic, won the league title, played in the Champions League, and then Marcus Marcus Williams went to Reading at the time, I think. And he, he he was playing Championship football. So, you know, these the lads done well and. If you do well somewhere, then you will get a chance at a higher, not a higher level, but a, a bigger club that offers more money, and, and they, they did that. So for playing that you it.
3: Despite those players leaving, we actually start fairly well. Um, as players, we are confident at that time we would have enough to stay up again. Or did you feel it was going to be an even tougher ask, given you know the quality of the players that had left?
2: Yeah, it was always, it was always going to be tougher. You know, you lose them, them players that were lost. It was going to be really tough. But I, we did start the season well. I, th- I think we made a beat it was Crystal Palace at home. I think we beat them three or four or one. Um, and then, and then when Nedge, when you know, Nage, here at the Southampton, we thought you know it's, it's going to be really tough now because he was he was brilliant. Um, I think Barr took over. Yeah, Ian Barklow took over, and things just didn't go as well for him. And you know, it's it was, it was tough that season. After that, around around October ten onwards, we just we just struggled.
1: Yeah, as you mentioned, Nigel leave for Southampton. What was the thoughts of the players around the time? Because obviously you've mentioned previously how you, you were responding well to his pre-seasons. Uh, you know, his man management, we know, is, is excellent. Uh, was, was there concern with him going? What, and what was the impression given from the club about as to what was going to happen next?
2: Uh, do you know what? I, th- I think we sort of knew. I think leading up to it, we sort of knew there was, there was interest in the age from Southampton. So, but when he told us, it was still a bit of a shock, you know, it was what, he, what he'd done there the year before. He, he kept us up. So he, he deserved the chance as well to go to Southampton who are a massive, massive club in league one who were underperforming. Um, but we did, we just, what can you do as a player? You know, you just have to, just have to keep going and, and see who comes in and, and keep doing what you're trying to do. But every manager's different. They bring in a different philosophy, how they want to play, their own players. And, you know, it was, it was it was tough it was tough after that you know to try and try and get some wins because it was completely different High Nage played the high uh, Barrow ended what they yeah
3: I mean we spoke to Barrow fairly recently and he admitted that he was actually hoping to go to Southampton as well but obviously for for whatever reason that didn't happen mm. did you but feel he was kind of disappointed with that and did he manage to hide that in front of the players or was it quite clear he was disappointed he wasn't able to go
2: I don't know, It was hard to tell he, he didn't really show that you know he looked like he was he was happy to get the the job. You know, it's it's his first manager's job. You know, I'm sure, I think he always wanted to be a manager, so that was his time to, to get it. Obviously, he'd be disappointed not to go and join Nades and Croset at Southampton. Um, but he didn't, you, know, you, you couldn't really tell if he was disappointed. Um, but, but I think, Bar, as a coach, Barr was unbelievable. He was he was very good. Him and Croset together, The sessions they put on were, were top-notch, but I think when Barra went to become a manager, there was he just it was more stressful for him, and you know he changed a bit, which you have to as a manager from a coach. But I thought Barra changed too too quick. You know, he was when he was a coach, you get you go and chat to him and have a bit of banter with him, and then when he became a manager, it changed so quick You couldn't really speak to him as you did as a coach.
3: Something he did as well was bring in Steve Park in as uh, assistant. Um, as fans, we maybe heard that wasn't. Quite a, a great appointment at the time. Um, how was he? You know, as a player, did, how did you find him as a player?
2: I, I like Parky. Parky's old school. You know, he's he's straight as a come. You know, he'll, if he thinks something, off he'll tell you, which I which I like. But his, his sessions were good. Parky was good. Uh, his coaching sessions were good. Um, I got on well with him, so I have no problems with Parky. Um, I think one or two other players couldn't really handle with Parky being so straight, straight than, um, being honest, but. No, I got on well with Park. I thought he was brilliant. Still speak to him in the game when we play against his teams.
1: Let's look at some of those games then as Barraclough takes charge because th- he starts off quite well. I think if I remember rightly, it's a 4-0 win at Sheffield United straight yeah. away. I think that was the first game. Uh, so obviously in the face of things, it was going in the right direction. And another game that I think we have, to, we have to focus on really here is it's the 1-0 win uh, away at Hull. It's, it's something I think that gets forgotten a little bit with Scunthorpe fans because of that season in general. Mm-hmm. But winning 1-0 there, obviously you score the last-minute goal. Uh, talk us through that one.
2: Yeah. You know, it's before the game, I think it was close to Christmas time. And Parky came up and he said that the lads in change room, he said, listen, because he used to be at Hull, so he says, really, I really want to beat these today. Local Derby, I want to beat them. Um, Christmas parties in two weeks' time, you beat these today, I'll stick 500 quid in the kitty face. So that's that helped us a bit going into that. So, <laughs> But I, th- I think I think they were they were doing too well at the time at home, Hull. We knew we were staying in the game for long enough. And we get a chance, we could probably nick a win here. And lucky enough, I think it was the 89th minute. I think Sears, eh? Freddie Sears, goes down the side, pops it inside in the middle, and up in the bottom corner. So that was, for me, that's probably the best the, the best feeling I've had scoring a goal for
3: How was that game to play in then? Because for me, as a fan, going to the KC, it never quite had the same feeling as the old ground, Boothry Park. It never felt like as as much of a derby, if that makes sense. Um, but you know I think that game it was quite um, feisty if you like on the pitch um, so what was it like to play in and um, did it feel like a derby w- when you were actually as a player
2: I think, I think the home game was more of a derby because there was better atmosphere at Donford Park but at home there was, there was no atmosphere at all from, from their fans you know we, we brought a few that day we brought a few thousand that day the atmosphere wasn't great I played, played in a lot, a lot more feisty derbies in my, in my career um, but it didn't, it didn't have a a derby feeling to it, but you know we, we didn't we didn't care. We just wanted the three points, and we, we got it that
1: day. obviously, it's a good season for you. I think you get nine goals. Uh, we know this uh, attracted some interest in January. Uh, there's rumours that it was from some Premier League clubs, some Championship clubs. To your knowledge, was there any firm bids at that time?
2: The, the only bid, the only one, only club I spoke to that time was Peterborough, who was Barry Fry and Darren Ferguson. Had a good chat with Barry Fry and it was, it was a strange chat. I'm sure I'm sure, people have heard of Barry Fry before, but, yeah, that, that was a strange one. There was no... I don't know, there, there was a bid put in, but it wasn't it wasn't uh, accepted by Scumthorpe. I think it was laughed off, but I spoke to Barry, and they were really interested in me. Um, but I was happy enough staying at Scunthorpe. Had a good season. You know, I had a year left my contract with Scummy, and I was enjoying it there, and I thought it just... I'd stay there for another year and, and try and have a good season and, and hopefully get somewhere else. No disrespect to Peter, but a bigger, a bigger club. Um, but that, that didn't work out because didn't have a great season the following year.
3: Let's just look at that January then. and um, The club spent a little bit of money bringing players in. Uh, the fans mm. maybe felt it was too little, too late. And most of them didn't really work out. I'm thinking of Michael Nelson and, and Paul Reed as two. Um, did you mm. think it was kind of just des- desperation signings at, at that time?
2: I think it was. I, th- I think he was trying to bring experience in, just to just to get the younger lads going, but it, it, it didn't work at all. It, it didn't work. Um, but yeah, it was I, th- I think that's that season. It was the second season when we could delegate from the championship. My wages got cut by fifty percent, so I wasn't on much money. I was on peanuts. To be honest with you, it was on more money accrued when I was nineteen. Um, so the club spoke to me about a new contract. And the money they offered me was still nowhere near. I thought it should have been on. It was. It was. It wasn't great. Um. So that that sort of played on me for the first few months, thinking you know I've had a good season. I'd like to be rewarded. I want to stay at for it for a few more years. And the club just kept dragging their heels. And then come January, they bring in they bring in these older players, uh, Nelson, Paul Reid, who got, got got good deals. What I was called. So that sort of I was thinking to myself. How, how are these getting? Good deals, and you know they're thirty. The other side of reach, you know. So that that didn't, I, th- I didn't really like that on Scone Force behalf. But you know them to uh, them to the big member experience is just a murder
1: Let's talk about the uh, the Preston game because I, I remember this game quite clearly. I think a lot of Scunthorpe United fans. It's obviously the night that Ian Bradcliffe gets sacked. It's three nil down at half time. It was it was an awful performance. Uh, I think it was always going to be tough one to stay up i think a lot of scontop fans knew that but it did feel like that was the night that the fans really turned do you think that was something that played a part in his sacking? because even though it was a, a bad performance it, i remember it was it was quite a big surprise actually the next day that we were told he, he was gone
0: hiring for your small business if you're not looking for
3: professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys
0: in a fish tank
2: Yeah, I, th- I think as a manager you're based on results, aren't you? Um, and his record wasn't great, but we, we we were still surprised that he that he he gets sacked. You know, it's our, our aim was to stay in the championship, but we lost all them players the season before. You know, I left, we lost Grant Hoops, he's Marcus. We lost I think Wooly might have left that season, so we lost all our top players. So it was going to be ten times tougher this season, and. You know, when bottom and got the job, I'm sure he knew he was safe because we weren't we weren't guaranteed to have safety that season. But yeah, it was a surprise, you know. I think I think the fans sort of turned a bit, you know, which which they would do if you're losing every week. Um but yeah, it was still a bit of a shock that Bar got sacked that quick.
3: Yeah, you mentioned that obviously it was it was a tough time and what was the dressing room like in those weeks? You know, were there any ever ever any fallouts or um Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah it all the time, you know. It's, there was a good few. Um, it's just just looking around that change room, you know. There was, it just it just didn't seem right for me, you know. The we didn't have the right the right team, the right change room to to stay in the league, you know. We locked the season before the, the lads we had to stay in the championship. That, that was a proper change room. That was a proper set of lads who who were, who were good change room, you know. Good set of lads stuck together, worked hard, get on, everyone got on well. But the, the season that we went down, there was. There was little clicks and you know, there was a few few eagles in the change room. Um, I'm not gonna say names, but yeah, it wasn't a good change room at the time. It wasn't good at all.
1: And then of course Alan Nil comes in, I think this is quite a significant part of your, your time with the club. Uh, there's at the time there's still a, a slim chance of survival, but it is slim. Um mm-hmm. what was Alan Nil's sort of approach coming in straight away?
2: Um he was quite almost he was he was, he was he was he was very quiet in the way he done things. You know, he wasn't in your face. He was led back, but he, he done well. I think he had done well. Bury for a year or two, got them promoted, played good football. Refer to him, played very good football, but it's, uh, it was... we uh, were never going to stay up. You know, when he came in, I think he knew we were not going to stay up. We was planning for next season. Yeah, he, he was he was different from from what I had previously, um, but I I got on I got on well with him. You know, I got on well. I didn't have. Any, I don't get any forwards with, with Alan Mill no, the whole time he was there. You know, I had him and Brassi. Brassie was top match. Brassie was burning. Chris Brass. He was the assistant. He was good. Um, I think, I think Alan Mill were going to stay up that season. There
3: was a good win towards the end of that season. It was a 4-1 win over QPR and I think you scored a great goal. Um, QPR was obviously top of the league, got promoted that season Talk mm-hmm. through that game, you know, it did show on our day that we were a decent side, mm. but obviously that didn't happen
2: enough, did it? No, it didn't. I, th- I think, I don't know, we might have been relegated by that stage already, so there was no pressure on us. Um they, they were going for the title, they were up there, near the top, they came to Glanford Park, and I think they had won the up early on, and we the lads showed great character that day, they came back and beat them 4-1. We didn't just beat them, we, we told them a new one that day, which um, just shows like... We could have done that. That I don't know why we couldn't do that more often, um, which was frustrating. Um, but yeah, that was that was that was a good. That was probably the one of the only good, good things we done that season was beating them four one at home. Give the fans something to share about, it especially.
1: You mentioned when Alan Nil came in that he sort of thought the chance chance of staying up was quite slim. Was that the consensus amongst the players at the time as well?
2: Um, not really, but I, th- I think most of the lads. You know, you're not down. people say you're not down until you're down, but when you are seven, eight points off safety with 5-6 games to go whatever it was you sort of knew you know it's going to take a miracle here to keep us up um, it's hard to explain how, how he was he was just he was just quiet and there was no there was nothing at all you know you were losing you were still losing every week and there was no there was no change of expression you know you lost 3 4 nil. it's just come the Monday and same thing over and over again didn't have a go at anyone really and it was strange, it was strange, strange time.
3: And obviously that season we are relegated. You mentioned Peterborough being in with a bid, but it was knocked back. Were you happy to stay for that, that next season in League One? And what were the aims moving into that season? Was it kind of just establishing ourselves in League One again, or was it another promotion push on the mind of the players and, and the club?
2: No, it was definitely promotion. You know, I wouldn't have turned down Peterborough, who were a championship club at the time to the, the sit and sort of play league one football just for safety and just, just play mid-table you know I, I thought myself you know, we would have a chance of being up there you know I'm not saying winning the league but been around the top top six top seven but just from the word go we didn't we didn't start off well and we just couldn't couldn't get going but for me um, probably looking back now it's probably a, a mistake staying there I probably should have read the Peterbuck they had a good two or three seasons in the in the championship but so they stayed up and done well um, but, you know, it's, I was happy enough to, to stand um and, and have a go, and try and try and get them back up the championship, but so it just it didn't work out.
1: Uh, and that season, uh, there's not an awful lot spent on players in that summer in the transfer window. I think Jimmy um, Andy Barchan comes in for free. Jimmy Ryan's brought in. Um, actually, I, I quite like both those players. Actually, myself. Yeah. Um, but what did you make as players for the transfer business?
2: Um, we are never going to go out and buy players. You know, it's we don't have we didn't have the money and I think Steve Steve Wharton who was a term at the time he wasn't, he wasn't known for giving for paying big money for players so you know we, we sort of knew that ourselves but we did bring in some good players you know Jim, Jimmy Jimmy Rams a good player top player Barcy was a good player um, so we, we did bring in good players but we just didn't seem to click whether that was how we played as, how we were set up as, as Alan set us up I don't know but we just couldn't seem to get going that season um, for spending season, starting the end.
3: Do you think potentially the money that they spent on some of the older players we mentioned, Reed and Nelson, in January, maybe um, had an impact that summer? Maybe there wasn't enough money in the summer because of the money they spent in January.
2: Yeah, probably, probably. I, I think I think the um, signings in the January of Nelson, uh, Reedie, really were were panic buys. You know, they tried to get them in to sort of keep us up, and that that didn't work. So I think, yeah, it was it was it was tough the season after. You know, we, we were I'm not saying stuck with these players, but you know, I think Nels came from Norwich or I think it was Norwich. We played Championship football. Um, had Hughes as well, Andy Hughes. She had a good career with Leeds, and that day came in. Um, so we, t- say again, we just we just couldn't take going. We just just looking around that change room. You know, there was just too many clicks in the change room. Um, it was just hard to to pinpoint the reason why we didn't do as well as we thought we could. We still had good players in that that squad, but we just didn't do it on a consistent basis.
1: You mentioned there that you thought yourself that Scontorpe might have been in and around it at the end of the season, 6th or 7th. Um, what was Alan Mills' approach to League One? Did it differ from the way he was, I, I guess, training in the Championship? We We did seem to try and pass it around, but we didn't yeah. really seem to get anywhere like that.
2: No, it just seemed like you only had one plan, which was... Pass, pass, pass. You know, you, which didn't work. So if that isn't working, there was no plan B, which was strange. But yeah, it, it just it just didn't work. You know, it was it was nice football when it when it worked, but six times out of ten, it, it wouldn't work against teams. And you know, teams clicked on how to play against us, and we just couldn't couldn't go into plan B and, and do something different. Um, yeah, it's. So it was it was frustrating, and you could see towards the end, but towards the end of Allen's before he, he left, you could sort of you could see he was just he just wasn't there. You know, he, he was there training that, but you could see he just he sort of gave up.
3: Yeah, I think as a fan, it kind of frustrated us seeing him on the sideline. He was never very animated. He was yeah. kind of propping himself up against the dugout. As players, I mean how is it as players? Would you prefer to see an animated manager or, you know, I don't know, how how does that work with players?
2: Um, I don't know, I've, I've played under managers that have been like over the top, Steve Evans, <laughs> so there's a big, big difference between Steve and Alan, but, you just can't, even team talks after 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 a loss, like a 3-0 defeat, it was just like all one tone, it was the same, the same shit, different week. it's just, you know, from from January onwards, I always had in my head I was going to, I was going to, I was going to leave and go, go somewhere else. And you know, it's I, ne- I never, I never had one fight with with Alan. You know, I, I've seen before when I left, I, I fell with them, but not one fight until until after I left, I fell with them.
1: I think we'll uh, we'll come on to that shortly, actually. But um, I want to want to ask about the incident because there is an incident, and certainly amongst the Manchester United fans, that it, it does surround Alan Nil and every time he comes back, it's it's referenced in some way. And uh, mm-hmm. now, obviously, we are having a poor start to the season, but this is around the time where Alan Neil has the, uh, I guess, infamous incident with the squirrel, and mm-hmm. he's the one that uh, he, he's the one that revealed it himself in the press. I mean, I guess, I mean, he must have done. Did he get any stick with uh, amongst the players for that?
2: Not, not to him, but. We did, we did, we sort of had a good laugh and joke about it ourselves in the change room, but yeah, that was a strange one for him. I think we were we weren't doing too well at the time. We lost a few games, and it was strange for him to come out in the press conference and say that. You know, it's it was sort of. I think he was trying to take the sort of the heat off himself from us not doing well on the pitch to sort of say he nearly got killed by a squirrel, which is just <laughs> so strange. But yeah, it was yeah, it was a strange for him to do that. but no, nah, But I was we didn't really have a he was. We couldn't really have a laugh at your You know, he, was, he just couldn't deal with him. In that January,
3: it's rumoured, Hibbs came in for you. Oh, I think actually Hibbs did come in for you and it was yes. turned down. Um, did you want to go at that stage? Um, and, you know, did the club give any reason why that was turned down?
2: No, I actually spoke to... I spoke to Pat Fenlon, who was the, the manager at Hibbs. He rang me in January. He said, listen, I want to I send you. Do you want to come up? Um, but, you know, I think, I think I'd won... I had one kid and one on the way, so it was tough to move. I just bought a house in Lincoln, so at that time I was thinking, you know, it's the one, I, the upheaval to go up and saying it. I think it was an eighteen-month deal um, at Hibs, so I just thought to myself, you know, I'll, I'll just get my head down and, and try and try and play here and do well during the season and see what happens. So within a day or two, I sort of got back to Pat and saying, "Listen, it's thanks for the offer, but no, thanks. I want I want to stay here."
1: Was there any other clubs in at the time? Because obviously, as you leave the club, it's, it is a rather strange uh, thing for Scotland United, business sense-wise, because obviously you've just mentioned there's that Hibs bid that's turned down in January, you stay with us. Uh, but then the club released you in the summer anyway. You know, I think as fans, we were a bit surprised you know, that uh, there was the chance of money, but we didn't take it.
2: Yeah, well, to, to be fair, they offered me, a, I think it was January, they offered me a new deal. But it was, it was the summer before, where they offered me money, but it was, it was, it was like a hundred quid difference from what it was on. Considering it took a fifty percent pay cut, so was still on a lot less money than what it was on the season before. So they sort of dragged their heels and dragged their heels up until January, and then when they came back with an offer close to what it was off, like asking for it to start, I was like, it's a bit, it's a bit late. You've been dragging your heels this, this, this time. We'll um, so just say, listen, thanks, but no, thanks. I'm gonna. I want to test myself somewhere else. I was just, I just looking around. I just didn't, I didn't feel strong. for thought it, it was going to go anywhere in the next year or two. Um, just looking around the players and, you know, the manager, I thought we're going to struggle the next year or two. So I wanted to go out somewhere else and sort of try and get a promotion. I, I never had a promotion at that stage. So my next aim was to go out somewhere and try and, try and win something.
3: Obviously, um, that's something you did leave, and you mentioned briefly um, you didn't fall out with Alan Neil until you'd left. Um, can mm. you tell us a little bit about that?
2: Yeah, basically it was uh, from January onwards. It was well, every every four or five weeks. It was either Dave Beebe or Brassier, Alan Neil kept saying about this contract: "Are you going to sign it, or what's happened?" I'm like, I don't, I don't think I am. I don't think I'm going to sign it. So up until uh, after the season finishes, every manager speaks to the players out of contract, in contract, just a just a briefing to go over the season and, and sort of the plans for next season. So that that meeting at the end of the season, Alan spoke to me for a good twenty minutes. He said, Listen, I wanna I wanna keep you. I still wa- I want you to that they don't I wanna I wanna have you for next year, next two years. Um and I just made a of it. I said, Listen, Alan, I, I wanna I wanna go. I wanna leave. So we shook hands and Alan, the words Alan now said to me was if anyone rings me about you, I'll give you a good reference. You've done well for me. Um you're a good lad. I wish you all the best. So about a week later, my agent rings me and says that Barnsley had been on the phone. Well, sorry, he spoke to Barnsley and the Barnsley chief executive said, let's not get back to you um, regarding me. So we get back to my agent a couple of days later and says, um, I spoke to Alan Nell and he's given a bad reference. Says he wouldn't, he wouldn't touch me. He wouldn't sign me. So, I'm thinking, I just spoke to him two weeks ago and he shook my hand, said I was a good lad, still wanting me to sign the, the two or three year deal that was offered. So, I'm thinking, I was such a bad lad. Why why does he still want to keep me there for two or three years? And why is he said to my face that anyone rings me, I'll give you a good reference? And then he does that behind my back. So, I tried to ring on him and he didn't, didn't answer his phone. Rang three or four times, no answer. So, um, I just thought I was a bit too faced off him. Yeah, man, I just thought, no, I, I don't, don't like people like that.
1: Has that uh, affected your relationship going forward? Have you encountered him at uh, other times amongst your career?
2: Yeah, once. I think once. I was a brother. When I was a brother at the time, um, I think it was injured. And I was sitting in the stands and, and he was there. And he came over and shook his hand and had a little chat. But it was sort of, you know, it's a chat more on his, his behalf. I sort of, I wasn't being rude, but it was... I didn't really want to be in his company because if I had done that, you know, I, I don't like two-faced people and, and he, he he was he was very two-faced, but he's done well for himself now. He's, he's done well as a coach, which, you know, he's. I think he's a good coach, but as a manager, he just has nothing there and he's, he's done well for himself.
3: Your next move was rather, um. You, you were talking about you were looking for a bit of success and maybe a promotion. Yeah. Um, How important was that for you, given, you know, it, it ended quite disappointingly. It was quite, a mm poor season gone through. how important was it that you obviously bounced back and you get those promotions at Rotherham?
2: Yeah, it was massive for me. You know, I, I think at the time when I when I came out of saying for Rotherham, League 2, a lot of eyebrows were raised from Scunthorpe fans, you know, social media, getting, the, getting a bit of bit of stick on social media, saying like you're dropping down for the money and all this and all that. But yeah, the, the money was better, um, but the main aim was brand new stadium. Um Steve Evans, who was a successful manager the last three, four, five years, had a lot of promotions, and the players that rather were saying him, you know, they were top players. So I thought, this is a great chance to go and get a promotion. And, you know, I signed there, and two years later, I had two promotions. So it was, it was a good call, to the same thing.
3: How was Steve Evans to work under? Because obviously he gets a, a bit of a stick from quite a lot of uh, most fans, most football fans in general. Yeah. Uh, but how was he to work under?
2: Um, first time I met Steve was in the hotel just before signed for him. Just have a chat, and I've heard stories about him saying he's, he's, a, lunatic, he's a lunatic and he's in your face. And but I spoke to him for a good hour and a half. I thought I drove away. I thought this guy's he's, he's not a lunatic. He's, he's good, like he's a good chat. Didn't raise voice once. I'm very well mannered. So I signed for him, and after two days of signing in pre-season. I don't know what happened. I, just, I was walking down and I asked him, like, do you know where the fitness coach is? And he just switched and went mad at me. I thought, <laughs> right, this is a real Steve Adams. But you know, after a month or two I sort of I sort of knew how to how to work with Steve, you know. I knew when to stay away from him when he was on one and and when to be around him when he was when he was happy, but he was listen, he was what he was, but I, I get on most 80, 89 but ninety percent of the time I get on well with Steve and I still speak them. Still, sp- I spoke to him two years ago. He tried to send me again when he was at Mansfield. Um, I still speak them when we play against him. So it was it was a love hate relationship we had. You know, we were we we're both winners. We wanted to win every week. So we clashed a few times, but the next day we were we were friends again. You know, we got on with it. And honest opinion, I, I like Steve. You know, it's it was tough at times. Tough some tough days when he was on one, but he was a winner, and and I wanted to win. So together we
1: won two promotions uh yeah like you say you've had uh, promotions as well at lincoln um recently You've made the move to Salford and that's another yeah. Scunthorpe United connection with obviously Graham Alexander's yeah. managing there. He was obviously stacked at Scunthorpe United when they were doing well. That's something that still splits the fans to this day. Uh, I guess, what's he like to work under? But also, Salford's a very different ball game really, isn't it? And with all the media attention, the class of 92, etc. etc. Uh, what, what is it like to play with him and play you know, in that club?
2: Um, it's, 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 different. it's different. Because they have come up so quickly from non-league, the last four or five years, they've come from the very bottom. Now in the football league, it's it's very different from any other club. I um, say so they're still they're still trying to get the structure right within the club, which they are they are working towards. It's it's, it's still a top club. Um, but Graham, he's been, he's been brilliant with me, you know, he's I'm still living in Lincoln, so I'm traveling over to Salford, which is a long long drive. Um, so he gives me Mondays off to sort of do a recovery at home, um, but he's I'm working on the if... It was only seven, eight weeks of playing under him, but I've grown really well with him. Um, I've worked in the what he wants to do, how he wants to play. i bought him that very quick, and you know it was, it was a bit frustrating because towards before this all happened, this coronavirus and the season stop, we we're, were doing well. You know we were going towards the playoffs. We were only like six, seven points off. Um, had a good, good spell of, of runs, winning games. So I thought we would have been, we've had a chance getting the playoffs this season um, under him, but. At the minute, now, I don't know what's going to happen.
3: Was it just a, a short term deal you signed? It's offered.
2: Yeah, it was just just at the end of the season. Um, just till I think it was a six month deal. Um, just to see how it went. But I've enjoyed it. You know, I was only there for two, three months till this happened. But you know, good set of lads. Um, the fa- fans were good. Yeah, fans were decent. New, new, the stadium's nice for, for coming come up so quick where they come from. Let's um, say uh, Graham and has uh, done well. You know and skip the assistant Christy Kelly. they've both been gripping me so I can't have no complaints at all
3: and moving on obviously um, with the coronavirus everything seems a little bit up in the air at the moment yeah. and no one really knows what's happening with contracts and things like that have you been given any assurances at, at Salford or is it kind of um, is your future up in the air there as well
2: yeah my future's up in the air I think a lot of other contract players just don't know don't know what's going to happen it's just a strange strange time at the minute um, so, yeah, but we don't know. I think, I think what I've been told is we're just waiting for the government to come out and sort of see what the next phase is of this, um, to see what happens with football. But me personally, I don't think I don't think the season will get finished, especially League One, League Two level. There's just not enough money to, to keep it going. Um, but yeah, at the minute, at the minute, now, I've got a, got a young family, um, got mortgage and bills to pay, so it's know, it's a bit of no man's Them in there. What am are going to do next season? But to be fair, like Gary, Gary Neville and the chairman there and they've all, they've all been great so far with us. Um, so I'm, I'm sure they'll help us out in some way.
1: And I think just maybe one last one to end with. Uh, bringing it back to Scunthorpe United, obviously mm-hmm. you spent quite a lot of time with us. Um, some good moments, obviously some bad ones. Can you sum up what Scunthorpe United uh, is for you and what it, what it was like in your career?
2: Yeah, I, th- I think that it's massive, massive part of my career because it, it gave me that that platform to go and play at a higher, higher level. Um, say the first year, no complaints at all. But it's a, the best. I've had three promotions, um, in my career. But I think that first season, staying in that, staying in that league, staying in the championship was my biggest, biggest thing I've done in football so far. With with what we had, the budget we had, and how small we were as a club, um, that was the biggest achievement I've made in football so far. Um. But, you know, it was a lot, of, a lot of ups, a lot of downs, but, you know, I look back with it and form memories and, you know, I'd love to go back some, some time in my career whether that's playing again or coaching or, or as manager or doing something. You know, it's, I've had fun times there and I love 85% of the time there I, I enjoyed it.
1: And I think that's a, a good place to end then actually. Um, Michael, thank yeah. you so much for joining us. It's been really interesting.
2: No problem. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, no problem. And thank you very much everybody for listening to this and we'll see you on the next one.